Deep behind thick marble walls, the rich creamy hues reminiscent of a steaming cup of black tea with too much cream. Behind the solid structure of concrete, poured for permanence, though decorated in a manner almost soft and ostentatious. Even behind the solid, warmly stained ironwood beams that run down walls and line ceilings in intricate, interconnecting rows. Behind all this lies the heart of the Archonoctrum, burrowed deep within the structure's embrace, the Grand Athenaeum. To be even more precise, this is where Brithamir, founder of the Order, can most often be seen deep in study, and this night is no exception. With the moons both high above, full, and casting their glow down through the glass skylights set into the roof above, the massive room is alight with blue flames burning inside numerous polished bronze wall sconces. Countless rows of bookcases, Towering multiple stories in height, extend out like spokes from the center, where long, sturdy tables are positioned for study. The innumerable shelves are brimming with knowledge, reaching back to the dawn of recorded history, containing all manner of tomes and scrolls, including thousands written by the Archonoctrum themselves. Some volumes are no more than ramblings on the correct finger positions to perform a specific incantation. The padding of feet can be heard striking the stone floor, dampened greatly by the dense fabric runner leading down the main path of the room, a vibrant violet color trimmed in gold filigree. Oddly, even at this time of night, there does not appear to be another soul in sight, save a figure somewhat hesitantly moving toward the room's center. As it nears its destination, the figure stops just shy of the well-lit area of study, staying cloaked in the shadow cast by a nearby bookshelf. A truly colossal being lifts its head, craning a long neck up from a large volume turned open on the table before it. The mostly skeletal frame of a towering ancient dragon adjusts its weight to better face the figure. Patches of silvery skin still clinging to bone defiantly in some spots. The piercing blue eyes of Brithamir, leader of the Archonoctrum, seem to glow slightly brighter as he lowers his head towards the shadowy figure before a deep, raspy voice begins in Draconic. Good evening, Kent. I trust this night finds you well. Step forward into the light. We have much to discuss and you have nothing to fear. Greetings, Brithamir. I find this evening to be quite suitable. Why have you summoned me here this evening? Do you wish to bestow the secrets of everlasting life upon me? Or perhaps a new society to study? A warm chuckle erupts from the dragon. Something altogether unexpected from a being with such a haunting visage. <laughs> you are quite direct, Otho Kent. 
straight to the point. But you also happen to be correct, at least in part. You waste little time and neither shall I. I have asked you here tonight to discuss the path, the journey you have been on, and where it leads. I speak equally of your personal goals as much as I do of your place in the Arcanoctrum. I have seen potential in you since you arrived, small one. Potential that exceeds that of most of your kind. You have thrown yourself into study and learned much in your time here. But I know you do so for the betterment of your people, as much as for yourself. This is a pure ambition, a noble undertaking to be sure. But you have much to learn and much to see before you understand the meaning of the power you seek. However, you have shown me enough that I offer you now the chance to learn, to grow. I offer you the chance to become my protege. Almost before the final words have left the dragon's bony maw, the figure lurches forward into the light. An aged lizard folk stands with nothing but raw anticipation and desire shining brightly in his eyes. Eyes with much more vigor than his dry, cracked scales suggest he may possess. I will do whatever it takes to help my people, though I fear I will not make the journey in time even after obtaining the secrets I require. If you accept my offer, Othokint, you will not need trouble yourself with the prospect of time, for it will bend for you and eventually break. I offer you a pact. One form between you and I. One that admittedly has strings attached. I will ask you to perform tasks, and you may not always understand why. But if you forge this pact, I will expect unwavering obedience. I have sworn to protect this world and done so for thousands of years. So take with that the knowledge that I will not ask of you anything nefarious. You will be tried, you will be tested, and you will most certainly be in the midst of danger at times. But you will be honed by this, and you will grow past your race's limitations. You seek information to extend your life unnaturally. But such information must be earned, for it is an unimaginable burden. The weight of such a gift requires a sturdy structure to support it, lest it fall to ruin and corruption. The choice is yours to make, Overkind, and yours alone. A sly grin slightly parts Othokin's mouth, revealing a jagged smile of pointed teeth 
some broken and others stained dark with age. He continues with an air of exuberance, now betraying his typically stoic demeanor. Well then, I am at your disposal. When do we begin? The once proud crest running down the head and neck of Brithamir raises, now no more than bony spines, as the great skull lowers its gaze to meet Othokins. An uncomfortably long silence washes over the room, a silence that may make another being shiver with anxiety, but goes all but unnoticed by the lizard folk. The head cranes back up as a mighty skeletal paw raises. Good, good. I am quite pleased to hear you agree so quickly, though you will need to learn patience, Oto Kent. There is no greater enemy to one who stretches their days beyond what nature intended than impatience. But I have no doubt it will ease with time, of which you will have ample amounts. You present me with a unique opportunity due to your background and skill set. Your mind works differently than most species. Where some see cold and calculating, I see you capable of combining reason and intellect with instinct not being driven by emotion. You have thrown yourself into cerebral pursuits and taken great interest in the study of many cultures. All this to say, you are a prime candidate to be my eyes and ears in the world, and I will need them both. Reports of corruption and darkness have been growing over the past decade, and I, along with the embers, believe forces may be at work, once again communing with beings from the lower planes. Gods forbid there may be those that seek to bring a second shattering. The large paws digits curl inward, save one, as a thick, imposing claw extends out towards Othokin roughly matching him in size. As the claw nears, a quick flick with its sharp tip tears open a brown robe draped over his frail frame and cuts through the shirt beneath, revealing a bare chest now dripping with fresh blood oozing from a diagonal wound. I apologize for the discomfort, but I assure you it is necessary and fleeting at best. He again lowers his head towards the floor, this time gently exhaling as a wintry breath escapes him and gathers on the wound across the lizard folk's chest. Some of the frosty crystals appear to seep into the very wound as the rest turn the surrounding skin black and dead. I am part of you now, Proxio Kent, as you are now mine. The pact has been forged, and with it come powers and responsibilities. Search your mind, small one, for I have imparted the seeds of knowledge to harness my magic. 
bear my name proud and know that the dark places you go in service to me may see you face the corrupted undead, but they will cower from you. Feel the compassion I hold for this world sweep through you, and know that the first task I charge you with is to share your new gifts, sparing the lives of creatures around you that fall too soon. I will be with you, Orthokind, and should your course stay true, more of my secrets will be granted to you in time. Now, before I send you forth, do you have anything of me which you would ask? So cold, does my heart still beat? Otho Kent stands and stares in contemplation for a moment, then snuffs out a nearby burning sconce with nothing more than his hand, the blue flame searing his palm, letting him know he is still alive. His eyes widen briefly, almost imperceptibly, with a tugging realization as he instinctively raises his other hand. With a quick gesture and a few words in an ancient draconic dialect, the flame reignites. Fascinating. Once more, Brithamir warmly laughs. <laughs> there is that instinct I spoke of. I can assure you, small one, your heart still beats. And you are very much alive. Aid me. Follow in my steps and grow. And so too will your power. Loosening the grasp mortality has you in. Quietly, in a whisper to himself, Otho Kent mutters with relief. My life's work grows ever closer to completion. Again, he looks up at his patron eyes full of renewed vitality. Where would you send me first, Brethemir? The dragon lifts his skeletal paw, gesturing to a bundle of items resting on a nearby table. I have had some things prepared for you to aid in your travels. You will also find a letter that arrived for you this morning. Though out of deference to my status among the embers, it came first to me. That is your destination, as the Grand Preceptor of the Ember Flame Tower has requested your presence, and I believe it fate that you should answer. Be there at dusk tomorrow, Uthokint, and take the first steps in your new journey. Use your new gifts the betterment of the world as I have, and you, in time, will help your people. The Embers are my brothers, sworn to protect our world. Join them in this quest and be ever watching. I would charge you to document all you see. You will find a blank tome in your pack. Right, Othokint. For there is space on these shelves for you, and I would welcome the read. Go now, small one. Learn of the burden you seek. Strengthen the structure for that burden to rest upon. 
I will be watching and guiding you. You are no longer alone. The old lizard folk walks with purpose to the table and begins looking through the items the great dragon has provided him, pushing the bundle of polished leather armor away from the pack without a second thought. How will I contact you? As he hoists the straps over his shoulders, he looks up at his new patron. I forgot to mention brave, small one, for you most certainly are. I have means of contacting you and of watching your progress. You need not concern yourself with such matters. However, should the need arise under dire circumstances, there is a way to harness my energy flowing through you. It will not be pleasant, I am afraid, but were you to open the wound that marks our pact and reach inside, you will find my essence encasing your heart. Push. You will most assuredly pass out from pain, but in this state of near death, our minds will become one. Othokin places his hand to his chest, feeling the blackened mark on his skin, and holds it in what seems to be a period of consideration before continuing. Very well. I shall leave at once. As the old lizard folk begins to return down the aisle, he wonders aloud to no one in particular. But first, I must acquire a new shirt. Welcome back, I'm Jared, your host and Dungeon Master for the Shatterblight Chronicles, the D&D 5th edition actual play podcast. Today we're here talking to Wa about Mr. Othokent. We just heard quite the introduction to, uh, to a patron. Let's find out about this guy. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. It's been a pretty good time. Pretty good time. <laughs> So let's meet this old lizard folk gentleman. So what's, uh, like I said his name, uh, I think it was said earlier as well, but uh, Otho Kent. It's Otho Kent, yes. Otho Kent. Just Otho Kent? Yeah, uh, lizard folk don't really have last names. They, mm. They're very it's tribal. Almost, yeah, it's like, uh, I almost feel like they're more designations. Yeah, they're named more after a trait that they have. It's like in place of, it's just just slightly above being able to be like, hey, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not uh, okay. Bobby Longsocks or some like. Bobby Longsocks. You know, halfling name. Uh, yep. And he's, uh, give, give a little detailed description. We kind of got a, a peek at that, but go into more depth. What's he, uh, paint a picture for the folks at home. He's uh, quite tall. He's about six foot two. Real thin build. Besides, he's got a lot of fat build up around his belly area. He's kind of got <laughs> one of those big uh, beer guts. Yeah. Without the beer. Well, I guess some beer probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he doesn't really carry any weapons. He has very fancy clothes. White puffy shirt. And his nice trousers. Weirdly fancy for his kind. Oh, yeah, it's very say. fancy. He he enjoys fancy clothes and fancy foods. So if you had to describe him in three words, what would they be? Uh, old, 
<laughs> stubborn and hungry. <laughs> How old is he? He is 56 years old. We said like, I mean, good tradition. Yeah, I guess tradition is the right word. The average in the Villager folk lifespan's typically 60-ish years. Yeah, about mid-60s. So he's... um. He's getting up there. He's on his way out. Yeah, he's not doing too good anymore. He's lived a long life for a lizard folk. Yeah. Well, he he's he's definitely he's not your standard uh, adventure. No. Which I think you've you kind of jumped back into this hobby as an adult uh, just before anybody. I think you were playing. I don't know half a year before I jumped back in. Yeah, I'd say about that. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's testament to that, though. Like, it seems to be a running, you know, thread online. You, you, you always see your first character is like an edgy rogue or a, yeah. a knight with basic, you know, white bread backstories. But then you play a couple characters and then that's when you have the weirdness starts to shine. Oh, yeah. You're, you're done playing the standard uh, nonsense. Yeah, my first character, he was pretty quirky, but he didn't start off quirky. But, like, as I played him, he got weirder and weirder. <laughs> it was kind of odd because he just was a halfling. He was a warlock. And then he surprised. Yeah, shocking. Yeah. No way. <laughs> and he just got stranger and stranger as I progressed through the campaign. And then I was like, I like doing this. Yeah, it's fun to be, I don't know. It's fun to throw wrenches and tropes. Warlocks are always usually pretty odd anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. Trading their soul or some something along those lines for power, basically. Yeah. It's going to attract some. It ain't, it ain't the book nerds. Those are the wizards. <laughs> <laughs> boring. Artificers, too, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. True. Not, uh, not boring. Those are those like the electric engineers. <laughs> not if you've boring. ever talked to those... Those guys, they know how to build Eldritch cannons. Uh, if did he have like a before all this stuff? Did he have a profession or any like pastimes that defined him? Yeah, he was uh, for a big chunk of his life a anthropologist. He studied like studying the weaknesses and strengths of different societies and cultures, and see the th- how they thrived and fell throughout history. And that's kind of unique to his kind as well. Um, and they normally kind of keep to themselves. Yeah. They, they take care of their own. So what, like what drove him to break that, or like go out and. Well, he, he always felt like he didn't really have a, a spot in his society and his tribe. He never really fit in. And he just basically watched people die and move on. And he just kind of didn't do anything with his life. And so he moved on in search of, purpose and in order to search for purpose he needed a longer life so his quest for immortality began (laughs) (laughs) uh this one's kind i feel like this could be considered counterintuitive to a lizard folk um knowing that they have like that reptilian brain and emotions don't really factor in but does he have like a biggest fear is there yeah, death definitely is his biggest fear. But he's got average. Lizard folk definitely feel fear. They're afraid of big creatures and they're not dumb. Well, they are dumb, but 
You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's but more like an instinct. They're not intelligent. They're wise. Yeah. It's like survival based, not like an attachment. To yeah. They know when not life. to mess with something and they move on. But yeah, he's very much afraid of dying. He never wants to do that. He's seen <laughs> And he he is very headstrong, and he's planning planning on never dying. Well, was it Sundari is the god of death? Uh, yeah, that would be probably his biggest fear is her in general. I'm glad I got <laughs> the actual god. Yeah, hey, she's fearing a, gods are a smart thing to do sometimes. That's very true in this world. Um, what's the flip side of that? What's his biggest strength? Uh, he's. Very tenacious. Uh, when he sits, sets his mind to something, he's going to accomplish it. He doesn't matter who he has to go through to do it. <laughs> that should be make for some fun moments. Yeah, probably. Or some quick death for him, probably. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope, folks. Hey. Uh, does he have any flaws or weaknesses? Like You kind of touched on what I guess would be considered those, but... I suppose the the tenacity, the stubbornness could also be his Yeah, like a double-edged sword. Yeah, because he can get himself into some problems. He has many times in his journeys. He's traveled quite a bit in his life. uh, Oh, no, Otho can't watch out. There's quicksand. I must continue on. (laughs) He's not not that stupid. Okay. I I didn't know. Uh, (laughs) He's not a barbarian. Yeah, the the rest of his family. Any ideals that kind of define him? Um, Anything he like clings to is uh, the way he lives his life? Uh, He just wants to live his life with as much purpose as possible. And he wants to uh, learn about everything. He wants to experience everything in the world. As much as he can. He's awfully inquisitive for, uh, for his kind and... That's interesting, I think. We will see how that plays out. Do you, parting on uh, the last thing, Does he is he leaving anybody behind? I know you kind of said he didn't fit in with his clan, so I assume he's got family or something. Oh, yeah, he's leaving everybody behind. He left his entire tribe. And if he becomes immortal, they'll all be gone by time. Yeah. And how long has it been since he's been home? He's, or since he left, I guess. He's been gone over half of his life. Okay, so it's been 30-ish years. Yeah, so there's a chance by the time he even gets back to his tribe, most of the people that were already there will be gone. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably a brutal fact in that culture. Probably happens often. Oh, yeah. Living long, so. Well, I'm glad we got to meet this crotchety old guy. Then thanks for checking us out, and we'll see you next week. Bye.